Hey, this is Tim McGregor, and I'm the pastor of LOH Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope it builds your faith and gives you perspective to see God working in your life. Enjoy the message. Mother's Day last year, uh, Stevie Wonder and I put together a message, if you remember, called Don't You Worry About a Thing. And so that message was, was on the high level of high, uh, high encouragement and, and all the good stuff. And this one is too, but uh, if you put both of them together, so maybe after you get this one today, you might need to visit last year's. And if, and if, uh, and if you're all about the, the tone of last year's, you probably need this one too. Being a Libra that I am, we balance things out here. So uh, we're talking about the war today. Ephesians is filled with metaphors regarding the church. As we've looked at in other sermons and in other series, the last metaphor that Paul uses to describe God's people and our purpose to describe the church of Jesus Christ is the metaphor of army, an army. Um, Audience is not one of the metaphors. Army is. The army of faithful warriors made up of men and women in the battle against spiritual forces of wickedness. That's the phrase he uses. Spiritual forces of wickedness. He goes on to say that this is not a war between flesh and blood. And although humans are influenced, you know, this is... This message today is, is, is straight biblical. I encourage you to always check out what I preach by being noble-minded as the Berean Christians who search the scriptures to see if the things that Paul said were true. Don't take my word for it. Check me out. Check out the scriptures to see if what I say to you, what I'm teaching to you or preaching to you is true. But according to the Bible... All human beings are influenced either by the kingdom of God or dark principalities, and no one is exempt. If the Bible is true, no one is exempt. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the wiles and schemes of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual forces of wickedness in high places. Therefore, take upon you the full armor of God. That's the other version. I'm doing a different one first. Take upon you the full armor of God so that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you can stand. Stand therefore. And he goes on and on talking about the armor of God. That's what we're going to look at today. I'd like to use in today's message the message paraphrase, which you're seeing on screen. Uh, Eugene Peterson, the late Eugene Peterson author and pastor, uh, created this this marvelous paraphrase of the Bible called The Message. I like to refer to it from time to time, not for biblical study, but just for another uh, uh, kind of viewpoint, which doesn't take away from the scriptures. I like it. It's kind of like a sidewalk approach. 
It's kind of like a coffee shop level conversation. Um, it's like moms talking across the backyard fence to one another about this battle. Instead of quoting the NIV or the New American Standard or the King James or the ESV, the extra snobby version, or whatever, uh, or whatever, um, Impressions have been made. Anyway, uh, the message, he says it like this. God is strong, and he wants you strong. Now, this is for men and women, young and old, but we're focusing on mom as well. Mom, God is strong, and he wants you strong, so take everything the master has set out for you, well-made weapons of the best materials, and put them to use so you will be able to stand up to everything the devil throws your way. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple of hours. Sadly, people do. This is for keeps. A life or death fight to the finish against the devil and his angels. Be prepared. I, I, I thought about... Uh, asking Tim in this slide to, to, take, uh, to take the font size uh, and triple it on those two words. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Sobering to this point. Mom already going, oh, geez. Oh, geez, where's Stevie Wonder? Anyway, we're not in this war alone. Mom, you're not in this war alone. As you see in the rest of this passage, take all the help you can get. And who's offering you the help? God. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over, but the shouting. See, there's Eugene Peterson, the side, sidewalk version. When it's all over, but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. That's what we're believing for. As Shelby said, at the end, we're going to invite moms to be around the altar. We pray together for you. But I don't want to say this. Single mom, single mom, you can raise godly kids to be great lights in this world if your world never changes for you by the power of the grace of God. Mom in combat, because in your family, you're the only follower of Jesus between you and your spouse, perhaps. You can raise godly kids who love God, who walk in the love of Jesus, who live a godly life, and not only live a godly life, but raise a godly family. You can do it. If you're all alone, you can do it because you're not alone. Because God is with you. Moms who've struggled, moms who are struggling financially, moms who are struggling in all kinds of things, and moms who are still in combat because some of your sons and daughters have yet to come into the fold of the camp of God. God knows you're here today. Listen for him in the midst of this message for something that he wants to say to you. The Holy Spirit never leaves anybody out of the traveling caravan. He has a message for all of us. All of us. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, Faith and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, 
Prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. And I'll ask you that too. Don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time. Lord, we ask you now that you would do the work that no man, no preacher, no church, no program can do. Touch the heart of people by the power of your word, by the moving of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would release amazing grace in this place. I pray the mercy of Jesus would be like a robe wrapped around every one of us. I pray the light of God would be so bright that it would show us truth and error. And I pray for conviction of the Holy Spirit because God, we live in a time where we need to really be able to hear and know that we're walking and navigating through this place the way you would want us to. Help us, Lord, in a time when so many things are up for grabs. We ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. As we said, this is a war that didn't start uh, uh, this year. It's been going on for all, all of time from Genesis before Genesis. And it will go on until the king comes back. This is a war, and I want to share with you some dimensions of the effects of this war we're in, okay? This spiritual war. What are the effects of it? What, what do you see in the world that shows that there's something, along with the beauty, along with creation, along with the good things, the little cute little baby boys and girls in our church, goo-goo and gaga and amening me through it all, which I love. I do. I do. Um... The effects of this, what you see these other, you see these, the residue of something other, something off, something evil, something broken, something deadly. What are the effects of this war? One is deception. Deception. The Bible calls this enemy, the, the Satan, the one we're talking about, the great deceiver. As I said last week, Eve said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And as I said last week, Adam and Eve didn't have a sin nature when they were seduced by the enemy. It wasn't like they had an inclination inside them like we do, bent toward going off course. They were perfected. They were in God's image without marred sin nature and the devil deceived them. Jesus said that one of the greatest, most dominant signs to show that you're, we're near the end of the age is that there will be great deception on the earth. The Bible, 39 times in 37 passes, passages in the New Testament says, do not be deceived. If the Bible and the Holy Spirit is telling us, do not be deceived, does that mean we have the potential of being deceived? If God says something once, it's important, but if he says it 39 times, I was saying the other night when we went to get ice cream after the baccalaureate at Fort Hill, the Holy Spirit led us to do so. We were, 
We were, uh, we were going to Libby's, and I don't know if you know this or not, but people go there. And cars up and down. It reminded me of when I pastored the little church there, and my kids were small, and all the little kids that we see now running off to shine kids and all that, my son and Dustin, and they were all, and they would go out in the front yard after, children's, after church and be out there, and cars going up and down. And I used to, on Saturday night, when we'd be putting our kids to bed, I'd be saying to Devin, now, Dev, remember, just like Dad said last week, an elephant never forgets, right? Right. What are you to never forget? Don't go outside unless I'm with an adult or parent. Because I was always concerned about the cars. And it never ends. It never ends. It's, it, it's continually going. And I didn't do that just one time ago. Well, I told him. We got that settled. You know what I did it? Every Saturday night. Because the forgetful anointing was on my kid and on my nephew and on, right? Yeah. So apparently there are certain things God repeats more often than others in the Bible because he knows us. Do not be deceived. Let me say it 39 more times. What's the effect of this war? Deception. Deception. Another one is depression. Stats are off the charts about depression. I think a lot of it has to do with still the effect of coming out of COVID. But depression in, in the youth, uh, the suicide rates, God, among eight-year-old kids, is heartbreaking when you read. Eight years old. Depression. To press you down, to darken your, your outlook to be weary and to be war-weary. Another effect of the war is denial. 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 Is it really that way? What's true? That's not true. Fact check this. Is that true? That's true. That's not true. I wonder what certain fact checkers believe about things like what is a man? What is a woman? You might fact check me on this part of life that doesn't apply to how you look at life, but I want to ask you, those of you who have it all figured out, what define man to me so I can put you in the paradigm to know where you're coming from with your facts? Denial. Is it really true? Is this really the way it is? Tim, on Mother's Day, it's going to be another sunny day. Fourth, we're going to have the fourth sunny day of the month <laughs> until next month. Uh, it's beautiful. What are you talking about? Do we have to talk about, is there really, do you, do you remember 9-11, the morning of 9-11 before the towers hit? I don't know if you remember, but all across the mid-Atlantic, all across America, it was a beautiful, glorious, the sky was, was ink blue, was it not? The clouds were billowing. I was in Williamsburg, Virginia, coming out of a pastor's conference, and my friend and I were just talking about what a beautiful day it was before the towers hit, were hit. I remember also studying about Pearl Harbor. I'm really into World War II history. Uh, and uh, do you know they say that the morning Pearl Harbor was hit was much the same way. Most, the, actually, it was a beautiful morning the day that most of our Pacific fleet was destroyed before breakfast. Is there really a spiritual war? Everybody looks happy and dressed and... Flowers are blooming all across Allegheny County. The daffodils are out. 
did God really say? Is it really? Is there really a war? Are people who don't know Jesus the, and they die that way? We, I mean, even the nice people are really per, perish? Did God really say? Have you heard that in the frequencies? Another one is division. I heard a political person get on the other day and say, we're going to fight against the attack of, and we're going to fight against the attack of. And I just thought, can you stop with the attack and the fight thing? Do we have to say when we're going to uh, put a policy, we're fighting against and fighting for? Somebody needs to stop this. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Division is a sign of this war. Party against party, people against people. Another one is destruction. The enemy doesn't come just to put you on the sidelines. He comes to put you in prison and lock you in. He comes to annihilate. He comes to, so that you never come back from what he hits you with. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The Greek word in, for destroy is the word annihilate, means no possibility of coming back. You're out of commission for the rest of it all. That's the effects of this war. You see it, don't you? You see it. And it comes from a strategy. Paul says, be, be aware of the enemy's strategies the wiles, the strategic planning. Here's some of the strategic planning of the enemy that we're talking about this spiritual war. One is, the, uh, the word is implant. Implant. Reminds me when Jesus is telling the parable about the weeds in the field. And he says, the kingdom of God, the, the work of God in the world, what's going on in the world? It's like this. It's like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. The field is the world, later he says. The field, he, he sows, the, the farmer is him. He sows, God sows good seed in the world. But when everyone is asleep, when everyone is asleep, the enemy comes and plants other kinds of seed in the field. And then at a certain time when the weed sprouts up, they look and see the weeds are there. The weeds are evident, easy to see. And they, they say, Master, didn't you plant good seed in the field? What happened? And the Lord says, an enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. The strategies of the wicked one and these high entities are to implant influence in the world. And what Jesus is saying there, if we're not warring in his point of view we're sleeping it says while good men slept hey while good moms sleep you don't have to do anything but just sleep and it doesn't just mean your your nighttime sleep it just means to just be out of the combat out of the contest allow the enemy to implant another strategy is to indoctrinate 
The Bible talks about uh, studying to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed, who can rightly divide the word of truth. Important, why? Because there's deception even in the pulpits. There's deception not only in the cults of the world, but in the church of Jesus Christ. And there is indoctrination going on, uh, sound doctrine. There will come a day, Paul says, when people will no longer endure sound doctrine. But they will gather around themselves teachers to tell them what they want to be told or what they desire. It's an indoctrination scheme by the enemy where terms are being redefined in our generation. Terminology, words are starting to change their meaning. People are changing the meaning of words. Abortion is rarely used. Now it's more popular to say women's reproductive health. Doesn't it have a better ring to it? than taking the life of an unborn child to just call everything. And, and, the way the, and the way it's worded is this. And who's behind this? Who's behind this? This is what Paul's talking about. These entities in high places who have implanted thoughts and indoctrinate in the mind to create in the world and animate humanity. We're either being influenced by the word of God, the spirit of God, and the kingdom of God, or we are, cute or not educated or not, being influenced by an entity that could seduce Eve when she didn't have a sin nature who brought King David down and fell into adultery and murder, a man who was anointed of God and brought Peter into a place where he denied the Lord three times. If he can do that with such intelligence, he is in, in process of redefining terms for a generation. Man no longer means man. Woman no longer means woman. A slow, incremental frog in the kettle, undetected, that's the way he likes to do it. He doesn't come and say, hey, I wanna let you know, I'm gonna mess a generation of your kids up just giving you a heads up on it. No, 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 no. He starts way back and just says, oh, no, no, what, what, what? why are you getting so rung up about this? We're not teaching, we're not doing, what are you getting, we're not good. Creating mindsets so that if a man of God or a woman of God sees where it will go, not what is going on, but where it will go and sounds the alarm, you're categorized as being extreme or a fear mongerer. It's a redefinition, it's an indoctrination of terms. Another scheme is to infiltrate, to get in among and influence from within. Jude, the apostle, the apostle Jude, the last book of the New Testament before the book of Revelation, Jude says, I was going to write to you about our salvation, but felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to tell you to earnestly contend, that's the combat idea, for the faith which has once and for all been entrusted to the saints. Why? Quote, there have been some who have sneaked in among you unnoticed. Listen to how he describes them. This is the word of God. This isn't me. They are depraved people whose judgment was prophesied in the scriptures long ago. Here's what they do. They, and, and listen, 
Don't root for your favorite preacher if your favorite preacher is turning from the word of God because you'll turn with them. They have perverted the message of God's grace. I'm reading the scriptures. Into a license to commit sexual immorality and turn against the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the fourth verse in the epistle of Jude, who was an apostle of Jesus and the half-brother, biological brother of Jesus of Nazareth. He knows what he's talking about. And he says this, the last days will become this more and more incrementally, more and more evident. Where is the infiltration? From the pulpit, from those who are changing the grace message to be a liberty and a license for people living in sexual morality to still say Jesus is Lord. Infiltration. In our church, when we do our growth track, uh, which is a membership class, we'll do again in the fall, we talk a lot about a, a core value of a climate of acceptance. One of the things I love about our church is that we have a climate of acceptance. Nobody's perfect, right? Uh, people are welcome. Everybody's welcome because we want to have a climate. Of, we want everybody to be able to be loved. We want everybody to be able to hear the gospel. We want everybody to be able to hear the word of God. We want everybody to, to find a place. But a climate of acceptance does not mean a community of approval. A community of approval. The art of warfare of a spirit-born child of God, male, female, pastor, a deacon, elder, the art of warfare of a mama, a daddy of faith, the art of warfare, the art is to balance deep compassion with courage to instill convictions of God's truth without compromising truth. It's a balance. A lot of times we either go one way or the other out of reaction to extreme either way. The art of warring in this very artful scheme of the enemy. The art is to balance with deep compassion. A courage to instill convictions of God's truth without compromise. And that would be easy if there wasn't this other scheme of the enemy, which is intimidation. If our kindness and tolerance, which is, aren't they popular terms right now? Kindness and tolerance, right? I mean, and I'm all for that in the right context. Um, I mean, Ephesians 4, we've looked at it, we'll look at it again. Be kind one to another. Jesus even said it, right? But, but stay with me. If our kindness and tolerance creates, how many of you love your kids, right? Is that a dumb question to ask? How many of you love my kids? I love yours too. Do you love mine? How about our grandkids? How about other people's grandkids? How about all the kids? Jesus loves all the little children and so do I. I want, that's, that's, that's the way we should live. But listen, we've been entrusted with the truth of God's word. 
so that we disciple in a way in this artful warfare of balancing deep compassion and with courage, if our kindness and tolerance creates a belief in our kids that God winks at sinful, perverted, according to the scriptures, behavior, we are leading our kids toward deception in the name of kindness. And, and here's the trick. The enemy will try to intimidate you, me. This is why Paul said, pray for me so that I will have the courage. Why do you need courage, Paul? Because you're going to get hit. You're going to get hit. When you touch the altars of Baal, you're going to get hit. I know, what I, I know the price I'll pay for doing this today. If you believe or speak in any way where the word of God rightly divided with the heart of mercy from the master, even with, but you say what God says, you will be hit. The reason is, is because you, it's about territorial ground. It's about a generational influence. One or the other. Satan is in it to the last horn blows. Until Gabriel blows it, he's going to rage. But while good moms sleep, or, and, are intimidated, you know, like back to the anti-abortion people are going to gather out at uh, the whatever because of the th anti the antis are one thing, and the health product, the other, the, the narrative is there. To me, wait, wait, and, and uh, Christians are real vulnerable here, and here's why. Because if you really love Jesus, you really love people, and you really want to be a testimony, and I really want to be a testimony, and I want to attract people to the, to the love of God, the marvelous wonder of Jesus, right? Yeah. So therefore, I don't want anybody to think I'm hateful. I don't want anybody to think I'm unkind. I don't want anybody to think I'm a racist or mean-spirited or bigoted, right? So what do you do? Well, the devil says, here's what you do. You just add a little water to it. Here's what you do. You just back off. One of the strategies that's really working, it's even hitting the church, you'll see it when someone will get up and they know they're going to cover a passage of scripture where it's, it's there. It's there, right? So you got to take 15 minutes before you go there and make sure everybody knows you don't hate people. You're nice. And you have to list people in your circle that, to prove that you're not. That's true. It's true. And I'll tell you, people say, well, just preach it, brother. Just, just stand on the word. Just stand. Well, you, you watch other people stand on the word, and they're bigoted, and they're mean-spirited, and they're snarky, and they're snobby, and you don't want to be guilty by association. The problem is there's nowhere else to stand. And while we're worried about being guilty or about our brand and all that stuff, the enemy is advancing rapidly. And I want to tell you something, and you can take it with what You don't even have to believe this, but I believe this with all my heart. That there are certain sects, S-E-C-T-S, -E in our society who are hell-bent, pun intended, on nothing less than a coronation by the church on their behavior. Not enough to tolerate, 
Not enough to just let bygones be bygones. You must bow your knee to my way of life and you have to voice it in the church. And here's why. Because you have to be marginalized, neutralized, or demonized lest we have to deal with the influence of your truth. Everyone is defined the way they want them to be defined in order to intimidate you and I from exposing, as Paul said, the unfruitful works of darkness. And another strategy is infect. And it's not like, well, which one are we going to use today? Satan says, all of them. Infect. Carry the influence all the way into the next generation. Now, this is going to make you laugh. But in the 50s, when I Love Lucy was on, Lucy and Ricky couldn't even sleep in the same bed. Did you ever, anybody ever watch I Love Lucy? When they go to bed at night, Lucy's in one bed, uh, Ricky's in the other. Uh, and then in the 70s with Brady Bunch, Carol and Mike Brady, they were in the same bed, but they were across, if you really look close, they weren't snuggled up. And Carol would be reading her magazine and, and Mike would be, you know, I don't know, uh, something. And then they'd lean over and go, night, darling. And then they'd turn off their lights, Dink. Now Lucy and Ethel are in the same bed. And they're not reading magazines. Not only are we seeing Lucy and Ethel in the same bed, but we're seeing what Lucy and Ethel were doing. And not only that, on many of the series or movies you see, Lucy and Ethel, after getting out of bed, are the coolest, most compassionate characters in the Netflix series. And they have a weird pastor friend down the road who doesn't know... You think I... Have you been watching how it's working? Did you ever in a million years realize uh, when you watch the, uh, the, the, the prescription commercials that are like every other one or every one, everything you watch, have you noticed now that, well, anyway. And that's not the, uh, the end of the scheme. Another one, let me tell you another one. How's your Mother's Day going? You enjoying your Mother's Day? <laughs> Remember, don't forget, don't worry about a thing. <laughs> Another is invest. Invest. Pour the money in. Appeal to the greed of corporations. Babylon the Great in the end of days will be a prostitute that's, that's, that's bartering in the souls of men by the merchants of the earth. I don't really think that everybody that's making their statements today are as committed to that, but the money talks. You want to change America? Change where you spend your money and how you spend it, and everybody will find Jesus real fast. But that's not going to happen, because while good people sleep. Here's the game. John Eldridge talks about it in Waking the Dead. The story of your life is the story of the long and brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be. And he fears it. 
So you have to be afraid and I have to be afraid. And I have to wear the labels that people that don't know their right from their left put on me. I have to create a church that the world will say, you're cool, you have my vote. God didn't commission me or any pastor to minister the gospel in their generation for the vote of a generation that is hostile in their heart toward God. How do we counter this? Two ways. It's about a decision. The first one I talked about, I talked about these last week, we'll bring them back again. The first is decide to be decisive. Decide to be decisive and decide to be relentless. Again, again, I know, we go, I know, I know what they, I know, but I, I, I wasn't going to tie, uh, I was just going to do a Mother's Day message and, you know, you guys keep coming back, so I guess you believe a little bit about what I do. Um, I, I don't know, uh, but I'll tell you, the Lord put this deeply on my heart. Um, we're in a war against demonic influence. In 1948, the state of Israel was born. The prime minister at that time's name was David Ben-Gurion, and he established something called the Israeli Defense Force. It came from the, the two words that was birthed out of the Jewish Holocaust when, when a nation of Germans had been infiltrated, implanted from childhood, and indoctrinated and intimidated to believe that the Jewish people were less than human. When someone's less than human, you can do stuff to them and it doesn't shake you. Do you know that there's a party in the United States that says an unborn child has no constitutional right to live? It's not a human being. Ask a Supreme Court judge, what is a woman? She knows what a woman is. But the people who vote for her have intimidated her to say what she has to say. Because the price is too high. Well, that's the world. The world can do what they want, but in the church, young, hey, if you're going to be a pastor someday, if you're going to preach the word, if you're going to teach the word 10 years from today, 20 years from today, you better make a decision right now that you're willing to have your head served up on a plate. Because it's easy right now, and it's hard right now. Compared to the 70s and the 80s, it's harder now, but it's easy. Because you will be the only influence in a, in a world that's lost its conscience about what a human is, what a man is, what a woman is, what the Word of God says. You will be assaulted over that because you have to be neutralized. You must be neutralized. Because Satan, as always, 
waits for the woman to give birth so, she, so he can devour the child. This next generation will, has the opportunity to be the greatest generation awakened by the king and the kingdom of God. And there will be that, but it will be with a fight. And the generals in the pulpit, the women of God, the mothers of Israel, the sons and daughters of the king must make a decision to be decisive on these things and relentless and have a never again, no further, no further. Six million died in a holocaust and Ben-Gurion said never again. Never again. They created an Israeli defense force and if you're a man or a woman in Israel, you have to serve mandatory two years in that army. You know why you have to? Because there is a militant Islamic group that has vowed to wipe your country off the face of the earth. And Tel Aviv is only two hours away from Tehran by plane. Be alert and sober, Peter said. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know, listen, the family of believers throughout the whole world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. If we don't know that, this message is not to bring a fear on you, but it is also to keep us from living in fantasy land and candy land. Our commission, our commission, again, audience isn't a metaphor. Army is. Our commission is to go into this darkness, infiltrate it, Preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the anointing of the Holy Spirit with love and mercy but unbending conviction to the truth. Let God be true if every man's a liar and I'll preach it till the day I die. That's true. Do you know if I preached what I preached already probably in Canada, I, they would be after our church this week? Here's what the moms of LOH, here's how God wants you to, to walk. Truth is my center. With, your, with your, the King James says your loins, the old school where they would wear robes, they, they would tuck up their loins, they would tuck their, 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 their uh, robes up, tie them around so they could, they could move, they could, they could navigate, they could run. And this, again, is an image of fighting a hand-to-hand -hand battle against an opponent. And so you want to be balanced on your... The goal is to palay you, knock you down, put their foot on your neck. That's the image here about wrestling against principalities. Putting a foot, not just getting along with you, putting a foot on your neck, on your kid's neck. So be balanced. The truth of God is the center. I'm centered in truth. Second, right is my heart. Every mom, every woman of God, truth is my center, right is my heart. A breastplate over the vital organ of my heart. A shot in the leg, I might survive it. A shot in the arm, I might survive it. But one to the mass, one to the center, right guys? 
a breastplate over there. A woman of God, a mom wake up, right is my heart. I'm going to model righteousness, godly righteousness, not rigidness, relational righteousness in my heart. It's going to be the truth. It's going to be the breastplate over my kids. Another one, the peace will be on my feet. Having your feet shod with the preparation that comes from the gospel of peace. He's pointing to Isaiah 51 where the imagery is a prophet of God on the mountain who is declaring for all to hear that God is in control, that God is mighty, that God is reigning, that the Lord reigns. Peace on my feet means I know who's in control. I know who has my back. I know who has our house. I know who has my son. I know who has my daughter. I don't have to be intimidated by everything. I've got peace like a river in my soul. Peace. Faith will be my shield. Not just saying I believe God, but saying, hey, I know what you're trying to sell me. I know what you're trying to intimidate me with. I know you're offering me the whole wide world. But just like Jesus said, it is written, I take up the shield of faith. It is written. Did God really say? Yes, he did. Page 330, that's what I do. Salvation is my certainty. It's the helmet on my head. It's what goes through my mind. I'm delivered. My sins are gone. I'm washed in the blood. I have this great salvation keeping me, holding me. I have a great Savior who's washed me from my past, my present, and my future. He is able to hold me up. He's able to keep me strong. But I've got to walk forward engaging in this fight. And the word will be my voice. Like I said... I think you're probably a good audience. But if anything rings, doesn't ring true, just go check it out. Go look and see if the things that I've said so far are biblical or they're not biblical. And I've tried my very best, I'm trying my very best, I always get concerned about this. Am I bringing it forth in, an, in, a, in the way you'd bring it forth? Even if you are, I'm not saying I am, but even if you are, the devil will say, Ah, oh, you're so arrogant. You're so mean-spirited. You're gonna, nobody's ever gonna come back again. Here, here is, here is. Live in such a way, put that up there if you would. Live in such a way, mom, the enemy will say, that woman, that mom just won't quit. She just won't quit. She just won't quit. People are falling to the right and the left. A thousand are falling to the right. That woman, right, she just will not quit. She just will not quit. Whatever I throw at her, she just stands on the word of God. Whatever, she just prays harder. She just praises more. She just believes God even more. She just loves more. When people have turned away, people are intimidated, she's just gonna reach out, she's gonna reach in, she's gonna love God, she's gonna sing. Some of the people that inspire you the most in this church are going through the hardest thing that you've ever seen and they're coming in here going, I believe God, I believe Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk sweet, I'm gonna walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when, when, uh, when that, that, one, that one son of Skevo, or that one guy in that one town was in Acts, this is how biblical I am, I can't even think where it's at. But uh, somewhere in the Bible, in Acts, this guy's is, is demonized. And these seven sons of a man named Skeva go there to cast the devil out. And they say, 
to this guy who's demonized. Um, Come out of this guy in the name of the Jesus that Paul preaches. And the demon says, well, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? And that demon attacked those seven sons and stripped them, buffeted them, and sent them on their way. Live in such a way that the devil knows you. Now here's the reason why we have to be in a war. Because the devil does know certain things about people that God wants to use in great ways. And so if, I didn't say you are, but if, for instance, if one of these shine kids, God intended to become a prophet of God or a gatekeeper in the government, and I was the devil, I'd convince his parents to take the summer off from church. I'd get them in 15 different competitions so they're never around to get a God moment where Samuel hears God say, I want to do something through your life that will shake the nation. If I was the devil, that's what I would do. I would only come to church every three weeks. I'd just live stream it so you don't get the full effect of being in the presence of God. There's been times I've wanted to shut the live stream down just because I don't want it to become a vacay easy way. Man, Tim, jeez. Well, here's the... You know why? You know why? Because we're in a war. The LOH Defense Fellowship of women, imagine it who stand, who take up the armor. Do you know the night before Pearl Harbor was bombed? Should I stop? I'm 51 minutes in. No, I got to stop. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the night before Pearl Harbor was bombed, they had a battle of the bands on the, on the, on the islands. Most of the... Most of the uh, the naval, naval people were at it, and uh, a lot of people drank a little bit too much and were sleeping it off the morning of. Um, others, others that didn't know what was going on when the Japanese uh, planes came in, they were in, in their yards waving. They thought it was, uh, they thought it was some sort of training mission. Some of, some of the generals were golfing, having been warned 30 days earlier, like Admiral Kimbrell, who was this highly trained, extremely intelligent overseer of the whole Pacific fleet at Pearl Harbor. He had trained sufficiently and intensely all the servicemen over the past 20 months prior to the attack and had been warned within 10 days of the attack that somewhere in the Pacific it was imminent, but they did have no idea where. They had no idea where. The technology was not evolved to the point as it is today where they could know. They knew something was wrong, something was up, and the Japanese fleet for 30 days out before the attack shut down all their comms. You couldn't detect, you couldn't hear anything, nothing was being said. They had no idea where it was going to happen. This is why Paul adds the prayer part. 
not just praying prayers, here's my list, I pray for Uncle Ernie and I pray for Bobby and Sue and all that good stuff. But this is talking about a different kind of prayer. He says, pray in the spirit, here's what that means. Because the devil is undetectable unless you're sensitive in the spirit and God has you on mission and you're not sleeping and he can say to you, intercede now for the Coleman family. Intercede now for the Cushman family. Intercede now for Dustin and Chantel. Intercede now for Pastor Tim. Somebody needs to answer that phone. Do you know when 9-11 the towers were hit, they had intel, the FBI had intel, the CIA, and they didn't share with one another because they were divided? Politically. While we were arguing and laughing about the blue dress, Bin Laden was calculating. The same thing's happening right now. Same thing. Trump, DeSantis, DeSanctimonious, uh, Joe whatever, and all this stuff. Laughter and hyena, jackal laughing. While the enemy says, just play your foolish games. Just play your foolish games. Play your foolish games. Where would the attack come? The Philippines? Borneo? No idea. The USA had more planes to engage them with, had more ships, but the Japanese came willing to die. This is no weekend war that we'll walk away from and forget about in a couple hours. This is for keeps. You remember Karate Kid 1, the tournament? Remember Karate Kid 2? He's out on the island and that one guy comes to kill his girlfriend and Mr. Miyagi looks and says, Daniel, there's no tournament. This is for real. Daniel, this is for real. Our kids, our grandkids, there's a lot of room on the ark still. Put on the whole armor of God. The whole armor. I'm going to read to you. I'm going to, everybody stand, please. Everybody stand. We're going to have all the moms come up around. Moms, could you? I don't know how you guys are going to, you, is there someone that's going to, did you guys have a plan? I don't want to like usurp anybody's plan. Right? Is there a trumpet solo or Come on up, uh, come up close so that we don't bottleneck. Kev, it's just for the mom. Oh no, you're coming up to play, sorry. Sorry, Kev. <laughs> Stirring up demons, I had to laugh a minute. Um, Psalm 144, come on up, come on up, come on up, come on. I wanna pray specifically. Um, come up, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. There is only one strong, safe place, and that's the presence of God. David says, it's God alone who gives me strength for the battle. He's my shelter of love and my fortress of faith. He wraps himself around me as a secure shield. I hide myself in this one who subdues enemies before me. David the king said, deliver me and save me from these dark powers who speak nothing but lies. The words are pure deceit, and you can't trust anything they say. Deliver us, O Lord. He says, then our homes will be blessed. Our, I love this. Our sons will grow up as strong, sturdy men and our daughters with graceful beauty royally fashioned in your palace, O Lord. 
I want to pray for moms who have felt that the, 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 the I mean, a lot of things in the world, if you just love your kids, that, that you can become unsettled, right? The things that are and the things that could be and the what ifs and we hear stories and it's enough to anybody, faith or not, to just set you back, make you very concerned. But there, there is a, there's, a, there's a normal concern and then there's a spirit of fear that just dominates and, and torments and where, where, that just overwhelms your thinking. You can't function to the point of faith and peace that God would want you to. There is a spirit of fear. There is a spirit of fear, but it doesn't come from the Lord. And I really feel strongly today on the way here that the Lord wants to encourage us, he, that he wants to break any, any type of thing like that that's not in you, but it's, but it's, but it's at you. A spirit of fear. We're going to believe together, as, as Shelby said, we're praying one for another. We're going to pray that that, that that spirit of fear would not be a dominant influence in your life. You know, it's hard sometimes to preach this because I don't want to be a downer. I don't want to be a blah. But, it, but, but this is... This is this, wouldn't you just love it that everybody's kids were in the camp and uh, you, know, you w wouldn't hear the bad stories that are taking place? And all? Wouldn't you just love it for the schools to just be full of joy and, 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 and peace and kids just loving one all that? May God visit us right here, right now. There are, there are moms here and you're, you're, combating, you're combating things that maybe other, other moms aren't. Um, I, I, sometimes when you get in a place in your life where you didn't want to be but you are and you don't want to even be in it but you are one of the things that happens is you start looking around and you start empathizing with people who are in your same condition same place and I never want to leave if, if God ever does something else I don't want to leave behind those that were in that camp with me when I was going through a struggle or a time and I think about people that you know like Someone was telling me before they, they, they just wished so much that their kids could be at church with them today. They prayed, they asked, didn't happen, you know. I, I want to pray for them. They're combating, they're praying, they're, they're believing, they love God, they're not less than. But, they, but it's not happened yet. I want to pray for them. For the spirit of fear to be gone, for the, for the, you know, and the enemy's always going to, when you're in that situation, he's going to say like, well, it's your fault. Well, if you weren't there, if you were that, no, 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 he's got all that. No, no, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. The Lord knows. I used to get so worried about my kids. And then when Savannah gave me the surprise they were moving to L.A., I was like, yeah. And I remember one time just bringing all that to the Lord. And I, he said, do you know, I love your daughter more than you. I went, what? Say that again. I love your daughter more than you. I'm more committed to your kid than you are. And you don't even think that's possible. But he is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son for my kid. And yours. Let's just, let's just take our faith to him right now. Heavenly Father, we just come to you.
in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you, as you said to Simon Peter, I've prayed for you. Uh, woman of God, mother of faith around this altar, I want you to hear that in your heart. Jesus himself saying, I have prayed for you. Personalize that. That your faith will not fail. I have prayed for you. I'm watching over you. I have provided a well of sustenance and supply for your soul. You are not alone. I have joined myself to you to be your prayer partner and your prayer warrior, and we're going to get things done. We're going to get things done. His blood still is a boundary line that the enemy cannot cross. At this altar today, freshly apply the blood of the lamb over the doorposts of your home, over the, over the destiny of your son, over the destiny of your daughter and your grandkids and their kids. By faith right now, take your stand, take your stand in the weapons of God, hold up the shield of faith and apply the power of the blood of Jesus upon your household, upon everyone you love, whether they're in the camp or yet to come in the camp and declare in the name of Jesus by faith that by God's power, you're gonna see the results, you're gonna get things done. Lord, I pray right now for the peace of God to be released fresh upon every mom around this altar, everybody watching, everybody in this room, that the peace of God would come right now and guard their heart and their mind in Christ Jesus. A mighty rush of your peace just receive it right now. A mighty rush of the peace of Jesus. Peace be still to the storm. Peace be still to the lies of the enemy. Peace be still to the doom and gloom that he has prophesied over you and your household. Peace be still from the king and the kingdom of God. Be yours. Be yours. Lord, I pray, Shelby did such an amazing job of capturing and defining what, what, what this uh, fellowship is about. I pray right now, I'm going to ask that the Holy Spirit would, would just move am, uh, among you and, and there would be a liberty right now between one another that you would pray for one another, you would affirm one another, you would have a moment with one another around this altar as the band leads us in this song. I just want to release you in that to, to just let the love of God minister not only to you but through you to somebody. Before you return to your seat, please, and I apologize to any introvert that's standing here. I do, but I, I, I yeah, and extroverts, you know, watch yourself. But, uh, <laughs> but at the same time, but at the same time, let, let the love of God flow to you and through you before you return to your seat. Can we do that? God bless you as you do it. Happy Mother's Day. I hope I didn't overwhelm you with the, oh, that's the, I, 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 it's, it, it's my heart for your kids and your grandkids and mine and a generation where we're not sold a bill of goods, where we're not walking off the deep end and we're walking true with the Lord, not just for us, but for years to come and generations to come. That's why we, 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 we said what we said today, okay?
God bless you. Guys, take us there. Love one another. Let the Holy Spirit minister through you before you return to your seat. Happy Mother's Day. I mean it. Bless you.